born free as free as the wind blows as free as the grass grows born free to follow your heart Welcome to the Great American Pop Culture Quiz Show, the podcast that knows its Keith Davids from its David Keiths. I'm your host, Taylor Cole, and with me today are Stephen Pretzel Day Skelton. Boo, boo, I'm going to send you to the back of the line. Bobby Jersey Blockbuster Crut. I won't be kind when you rewind. And Susanna the Bee Crabe Cox. Pollinator's Revenge, y'all. A big hello to everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's match. It's the third elimination match in the Sabor de Soledad division. Helping me out today will be Scoremaster Dan. Hi, Dan. Hi there. You know, Dave said not to worry about it, but the new booth is pretty far underground. The canary just died. I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> we'll keep an eye on it. And working the boards today is the aforementioned production master, Dave. Welcome, Dave. But Aquaman, you cannot marry a woman without gills. You're from two different worlds. <laughs> all right, all right. We have three rounds of trivia to test your pop culture knowledge today. And we're going to start it all off, as always, with a round of My Champion. Each of our contestants has chosen a character from pop culture to be their champion. The catch, we choose the battle that they're fighting. Stephen, who is your champion today? Uh, my champion is Malcolm Tucker from The Thick of It and In the Loop. Bobby, who have you chosen as your champion? Dale Cooper from Twin Peaks. And Susanna, who are you championing today? Dr. Mrs. the Monarch from the Venture Brothers. <laughs> All right. Champions locked in. After you learn your scenario and make your arguments, I will serve as the judge and determine a winner. Knowing all that, let's spin the scenario wheel. Today's scenario, which champion would best recover a stolen painting? Stephen, why would Malcolm Tucker best recover a stolen painting? Uh, well, uh, Malcolm uh, is uniquely suited to recover something like a stolen painting because, first off, he has an intense amount of focus. So you give him a task, <laughs> and he's going to zero in on it uh, like a laser, like a very profane, angry laser. Um, and he's going to go after that. Two, he's got the connections. He knows everybody in to some degree. He can find out who stole the painting, why they stole it, where it currently is, and more importantly, where it's going to be later. Uh, he probably also knows the people that were involved in stealing it. Um, so that <laughs> that helps. Um, and uh, yeah, and finally, he's absolutely relentless. So when he actually finds the people who stole the painting, he can just scream at them until he until they give up and just turn the painting over to him to make him go away. Thank you, Stephen. Bobby, make your case for Twin Peaks' own Dale Cooper. Well, I think like Dale Cooper will be a perfect person to solve this case because he has a mix of real-world enthusiasm and mystical nature to him, uh, where he will arrive at the museum with donuts and cherry pie for everyone to charm the staff. And when he goes to the wall where the painting is missing, he stares at where the lines had been for the painting. And in the meditative moment, he transcends through the wall and he appears in a red room <laughs> where the frame has turned into a tree that speaks to him and lets him know where to go find the painting. <laughs> Beautiful answer. And Susanna, why would Dr. Mrs. the Monarch from the Venture Brothers excel in a field of art recovery? I feel like this is where her years of experience cleaning up every screw up of the monarch and making sure that it goes smoothly comes into play. We don't know yet what 21 is going to do or, you know, how the monarch has stolen the painting that he didn't really mean to. But I feel like she would not only get it back, she would make sure that nobody knows and, you know, maybe some side revenge along the way. Who knows? Thank you, Susanna. Great arguments all around. And while I deeply appreciated the multifaceted and based in the reality of these characters arguments that Stephen and Susanna made, the dual argument of both the practicality and mysticism of Dale Cooper means that today's my champion winner is Bobby. <laughs> all right. Thank <laughs> <Nice>. you. <laughs> Bobby, you've won my champion, which means you not only get to go first in round one, but you also get a crack at the half point. Okay. 
If the game is close at the end, having the half point could mean the difference between you winning and losing. Here is your half point question. On this day, August 31st, in 2006, Edvard Munch's painting The Scream was recovered by Norwegian police after its theft two years prior. That painting does not appear in the 1982 film Blade Runner, but it is described in detail in the novel on which the movie is based. What is the title of that novel? Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Nice. Quick on the draw. That is a half a point for Bobby. Nice job. You'll lead off in round one, but before that, let's get to know all of today's players by learning a bit more about their pop culture likes, dislikes, dreams, and hot takes. First, we have Steve and Skelton. Welcome to the show, Steven. Thank you. Tell us, what is your biggest hot take or unpopular opinion in the world of pop culture? Well, considering I, I missed the show the first time around and just binged it on Netflix, my hot take is I don't think Hannibal needs more seasons. I think it had a great ending as is. I mean, basically, it was got to the point where there was a three-way serial killer free-for-all and kind of hug fest uh, and ended with, spoiler alert, dumping everybody off the edge of a cliff into the ocean. And it was kind of an awesome way to bring everything full circle and thematically end it. And I wouldn't mind a Deadwood-style follow-up movie, but I, I don't need it. <laughs> well, thanks for being here, Stephen, and good luck in today's game. Playing in our second seat today is Bobby Crutt. Hi, Bobby. Hi. Tell us, what otherwise unplanned sequel would you most like to see get made? Well, you know, I miss this movie when it came out in the 80s, which is strange because I'm the exact age that it would appeal to. But the movie Gymkata, which came out in the mid-80s and it used Olympian gymnastic skills combined with martial arts uh, to follow the hero through uh, the mystical land of Parmistan, where uh, he fought numerous uh, people using uh, a pummel horse suspiciously placed in the middle of the town square. So I would love to see uh, a revisiting of, of that movie uh, as soon as possible. Well, thank you, Bobby, and best of luck. And let's also say hello to our third contestant. It's Susanna Crabe-Cox. Welcome, Susanna. Hi. Uh, what crossover event in the world of TV would you most like to see happen? So I think that Insecure needs as its show-in-show a crossover with Barry. I can see Barry being the crime drama that fuels the halfway action. And then somehow Kelly meets up with some of the players from Barry and then everything just goes to hell. I could see this working out very nicely. <laughs> that sounds super awesome. Thank you, Susanna. Welcome again to everyone and good luck to you all. It's time for round one, Half and Half Tones. TV shows and movies sometimes have crossovers, but they save the craziest ones for the pages of comic books. In this game, we'll be describing unexpected but totally real crossovers between pop culture characters, some real and some not, that took place in the pages of comic books. For instance, if I told you that the crossover started with a human soldier from the future hunting down a cybernetic Detroit cop before additional robots from the future came in to protect that cyborg, you would know that it was a crossover between... Terminator, Terminator and, and RoboCop. Robocop. Terminator and RoboCop, absolutely. If you needed a hint, I would tell you a little bit more about each of the properties or people in that crossover. You'll win 10 points for an answer right away, but only 5 points if you use a hint. Bobby is the winner of my champion. You get to lead off this round. Your first crossover is... A 2015 comic series has an all-American teen and his friends go on spring break in Central America, only to be followed home by a trophy-hunting extraterrestrial who starts picking them off one by one. Okay, so 2015 series is tough, but the, the it's got to be Predator for the second part. Is it... Would it make sense that it's... That seems too long ago that it would be Stranger Things and Predator... I think I need a hint. Your hint is one first appeared in Pep Comics in 1941. The other first appeared in a 1987 John McTiernan movie. Is it Archie and Predator? Indeed, Archie and Predator. Susanna, in a 2012 comic series, a time traveler and his companions team up with a starship crew to counter an alliance between two evil races that are trying to assimilate all organic life in the universe. Ooh, I feel like there's a Doctor Who in there. Uh, but I think I also need the hint. 
One is from a 1963 TV series, the other from a 1966 TV series. Okay. Uh, well, one's Doctor Who and the other one, I'm not reaching. Do you have a guess? Uh, um, assimilating Life is... No, they, they're both like, they're both very Doctor Who to me. Is where, I'm, like, <laughs> where I'm struggling. No, that 1966 series is Star Trek that's crossing over with Doctor ah. Who in that comic, Doctor Who and Star Trek. All right, Steven. In a 2004 comic series that's very much considered non-canonical by both franchises, a Starship pilot and his pal crash land in the Pacific Northwest where he's killed by Native Americans and his co-pilot is mistaken for a Yeti. 126 years later, an archaeologist discovers the pilot's remains still within the starship, and it feels like they're very familiar for some reason. Okay, um, that seems that seems like it's Star Wars and Indiana Jones. Yes, the dueling Harrison Fords of Han Solo and Indiana Jones. How have I never seen that? <laughs> Should totally be canon. Seriously. For sure. All right, Bobby, in a 1993 comic book story, a famous kaiju faces off in the paint against a notoriously tough NBA player in a comic inspired by a Nike ad. Okay. Um, notoriously tough NBA player. I mean, I automatically go to Michael Jordan, but I don't think of him as, like, tough. Uh, is it Dennis Rodman and... Um, I'm going to need a hint. One first appeared in a 1954 movie, and one played for the Phoenix Suns from 1992 to 1996. Okay, so the the early movie... So now I think it's Charles Barkley, maybe. And I don't know a lot about sports, but I'm going to say it's Charles Barkley and um, Godzilla. Very nice. nice. Reprising right. their roles from a Nike ad, there was a comic version of that face-off. Amazing. All right, Susanna. In a 1978 comic, fairness-obsessed aliens take a superhero and a heavyweight champion to a planet with a red sun to see who would win in a fair fight, with the winner then going up against the alien champion to save planet Earth. Uh, Muhammad Ali versus Superman? Very nice. Ooh. Are you kidding with that? <laughs> no, you got it. <laughs> All right, Steven, in a 2012 one-shot comic, the title character of a TV franchise goes to space where she faces off against an acid-drooling extraterrestrial that's been crossbred with a vampire. Crossbred with a vampire, alien in space. I'm going to say that's Buffy and Alien. Yes, otherwise known as a xenomorph from the Alien series of films. Nice job, Steven. Coming back to Bobby, a 2017 comic book crossover sees a hunter with a speech impediment hunt down the man he believes responsible for his former flame's death. This leads the hunter to a fight with the man's masked alter ego, but the woman is revealed to have faked her own death when she found out about the masked man's nocturnal activities. So, it's Batman and Elmer Fudd? Very fast answer. <laughs> wow. These exist. Dude. Awesome. <laughs> Apparently Bugs Bunny helped Elmer Fudd's ex fake her own death. It's a whole it's a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Susanna. In a 1978 comic, Stan Lee serves as the host of a sketch comedy show. What the live audience doesn't realize is that the show is under attack from a samurai-themed supervillain, and the cast has to help a web-slinging hero stop the bad guy from getting John Belushi's ring. Spider-Man in Saturday Night Live? Yes, indeed. Web-slinging John <laughs> Belushi, it's all there in a very real comic book. Extremely real comic, yeah. <laughs> Have you read it, Stephen? Yes. Awesome. And the Superman Muhammad Ali, yeah. All right, Stephen, this next one's for you. For a 2009 comic book crossover, an armored superhero is participating in New York Fashion Week by putting some of his suits on display. But a murderer targeting models means that a reality show host has to step into a different kind of suit to beat down the bad guys. A reality show host and... Okay, so it's, I know half of it has got to be Iron Man. Um, so, but the... The reality show host. I'm gonna need a hint for this one. 
One was the chair of fashion design at Parsons from 2000 to 2007, and the other first appeared in a 1963 comic book. Oh, uh, so wait, uh, I'm blanking on the name. It's Iron Man and uh, 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 Tim Gunn. Very nice. Iron Man and Tim Gunn. <laughs> nice wow. ball, man. Nice ball. <laughs> he made it work. That sounds like a great time to go to our first score update from Scoremaster Dan. The game today could not be closer. Right now, Susanna has 20 points. Bobby is just ahead with 20 points and the half point, and Steven has 25. All right, close game. Let's see if it stays that close with Bobby's next question. In what's touted as the official sequel to a 2012 movie, a 2014 comic book crossover sees a black bounty hunter head west, where he signs on as a bodyguard for an aging Spanish aristocrat in California named Diego de la Vega. Well, the first part is Django Unchained, I assume. And then the second part is Once Upon a Time in Mexico? Oh, uh. not quite. <laughs> Looking for the uh, pulp hero Zorro, who crossed over oh, with Django. Zorro. Apparently, there are plans to make this crossover into a real movie. And if they can get Jamie Foxx and Antonio Banderas, I'm, I'm kind of in. I think that sounds fun. Yeah, yeah, get Banderas, okay. I'm in, definitely. Banderas. Yeah. All right, Susanna. In a 2009 comic book crossover, a rapper assumes that a murderous vigilante is out to get him, when the vigilante is really after one of the rapper's friends who has betrayed that rapper by taking money from the Parents' Music Council to kill him off because of his offensive lyrics. In the end, the black-clad vigilante goes after the Parents' Music Council instead. Ice-T and Batman? Oh, not quite. You're writing that it's a rapper and a superhero. It is Eminem and The Punisher. Yeah, okay, I'm glad I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, there was a second of stunned silence after I read that answer. Everyone's like, no, it's not real. <laughs> All right, Steven. Two characters played by the same actor meet in a 2016 comic book crossover between movie properties with the same director. In it... A trucker gets pulled into an alternate 2001 where he meets a one-eyed rebel. Together, they drive the Pork Chop Express across the dystopian plains of America to stop their worlds from coming to an end. Okay, so it's the two movies by the same director? Yes. I'm going to say, because uh, Pork, Pork Chop Express means Big Trouble in Little China, so I'm going to say Big Trouble in Little China and Escape from New York. Yes, Jack Burton and Snake Plissken teaming up for a road trip. Very nice, Steven. Coming into everyone's last crossover, starting with Bobby. As part of a larger 2014 comic crossover, a trio of conspiracy theorists discover files from the future and learn that a plague will soon wipe out humanity. While two FBI agents follow other leads, the trio hunts for a group of mutants rumored to live in the New York sewers. Oh, is that the lone gunman from the X-Files with Chud? You are on the right tip with an X-Files idea. It's Mulder and Scully from the X-Files, but it's we're looking for the teenage mutant ninja turtles living in the New York sewers. So X-Files and TMNT. Oh, I just wanted to say Chud, I guess. <laughs> a noble pursuit, a noble pursuit. <laughs> All right, Susanna, in a 1991 comic crossover... Alien refugees land on Earth in the far future and get caught up in political turmoil as humans and primates fight for dominance. Okay, so I see there's uh, Planet of the Apes and Men in Black. Good guess on the Men in Black half, but the alien part was Alien Nation. Oh, wow. <laughs> that movie and subsequent oh. short-lived TV series. The crossover was called Ape Nation. Very creative name. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> the short, short creative meeting on that one. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Stephen. In a 2017 comic book crossover between these two Sam Raimi properties, a warrior woman in the past has to summon a wisecracking big box store night manager with a chainsaw arm to fight off an army of the undead. 
Okay, well, Army of the Undead, I mean, that's clearly Ash and Evil Dead, and the warrior woman from the past has got to be uh, Evil Dead Ash and Xena. Yes, Ash with his chainsaw arm, also from Army of Darkness, and Xena, Warrior Princess, both created by Sam Raimi. Well, that's some great play for round one. Coming up next is a score update from Dan, and on to round two of Pop Culture Trivia. It's time for the Circus Peanuts score break. Circus Peanuts, why do they taste like banana? After one round of play, Steven has 45 points, Bobby has 20 points and the half point, and Suzanne is in third place with 20, but that means she'll go first in round two. Thank you, Scoremaster Dan. Still lots of game to go. We have a little extra help coming to our third place contestant. It's the Threequalizer. Susanna, we've got a quick chance for you to make up some ground with our Threequalizer question. I'll give you a question that has exactly three answers, and you will have three guesses to match as many of those answers as you can, with ten points to you for each answer you match. Your Threequalizer question is... The song Last Kiss contains the ostensibly rhyming lyrics, She's gone to heaven, so I got to be good, so I can see my baby when I leave this world. Three different bands have had versions of Last Kiss that have made it onto the U.S. Hot 100 singles chart. Name those three bands. Uh, they have? Cool. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I have no idea. Um, Limp Bizkit, um, The Juggalos, and, uh, <laughs> uh, Taylor Swift? <laughs> Nope, three bands have done that. First by J. Frank Wilson and the Cavaliers in 1964, the Canadian band Wednesday in 1974, and the best-selling version of it was covered by Pearl Jam as a charity single in 1999. We'll go from that song's dubious and sweaty rhyme to hopefully some more well-conceived ones in round two entitled, Excuse Me, But Do You Have the Rhyme? We'll give you a mashed-up concept, and you have to identify the rhyming TV or movie titles that we've smooshed together. For instance, if I told you that Lady Gaga, or maybe Barbara Streisand, has plans to make it big, but those plans are derailed by an agriculturally adjacent town full of kids intent on murdering all the adults, you'd know that we were mashing up... A Star is Born and Children of the Corn. A Star is Born and Children of the Corn. If you're not sure, I can tell you a little bit more about each of the rhyming names. Once you know the rhyme, I'll give you a description of one more property that fits in the same rhyme, and you can try to name it for some extra points. 20 points for the first answer, but only 10 after a hint, and then 10 more for the rhyming follow-up. Sound out your answers and respond before you get buzzed. Susanna, your first rhyming pop culture property description is... A man is adrift on a lifeboat with a vicious tiger and distracts him with some non-sequiturs and a hard-drinking, talking dog. It's Life of Pi and a hard-drinking dog. Um, uh, I think I need a hint. A 2012 drama and an animated show that started on Fox in 1999. Life of Pi Family Guy. Very good. And keeping in that same rhyme scheme, we've got a 2006 comedy in which a bunch of girls decide to murder Jesse Metcalf. Uh, high and dry? <laughs> Good job keeping in there. That movie is John Tucker Must Die. <laughs> Still points for Life of Pi Family Guy, though. Bobby, your first description is a reality competition show in which highly dramatic people travel the world in pairs. Heather Locklear would probably have won if she hadn't been paired with that crazy Marsha Cross character. Oh, Amazing Race, Melrose Place. <laughs> very nice, very nice. And keeping that same scheme, you've got a cheesy 1965 sci-fi series that spawned a 1998 movie and a 2018 Netflix version. Lost in Space. Full points for Bobby on that one. Coming over to Steven. A Marine officer falls in love with a liberal journalist. They're soon married, and he has to deal with her, her three kids, and the dramatic increase in the local meth trade. Dramatic increase in the local meth trade? Mm-hmm. 
Marine officer. I'm going to need a hint. A CBS sitcom from 1989 and an AMC series from 2008. Oh, that would be Major Dad and Breaking Bad. Using that hint, nice job. (laughs) Your rhyming follow-up. A Chris Harrison-hosted competition show featuring former cast members of a more successful reality show. More successful reality show. It rhymes with Major Dad and Breaking Bad. That would make it... I don't know. (laughs) They're looking for Bachelor Pad. Bachelor Pad. Pad. Bachelor spinoff. How how could I have missed that? (laughs) I think it's probably good that none of us knew that. (laughs) I'm feeling better about things now. (laughs) All right, Susanna. Sister Bertrill has to teach yard birds how to fly. Strong breezes always worked for her in a claymation version of The Great Escape. Flying Nun and... uh, Great Escape. Uh, Can I get the hint, please? A 1967 ABC sitcom and a 2000 stop-motion film. The Flying Nun and Chicken Run. There it is. There's that epiphany. (laughs) (laughs) And keeping with the same scheme, we've got a 1988 Zucker Abrams Zucker spoof. Uh, It's not Spaceballs. Um, No, I can't pull it. Shoot. The Naked Gun. The Naked Gun. Rhyming with Flying Nun and Chicken Run. Over to Bobby. The voices inside a schlubby guy's mind, which represent the aspects of his personality, have to guide him through a long-form zombie apocalypse. Oh, man, I can't believe I remember this show, but Herman's Head, Walking Dead. (laughs) (laughs) That's taking up space in my brain somewhere, and I'm not happy about it. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a little character inside your brain who remembered it for you. (laughs) Right. And your rhyming follow-up is a satirical ABC workplace sitcom that ran from 2009 to 2010. Oh, uh, better off Ted. Very nice. Full points for Bobby. Back to Steven. Drew Barrymore is a journalist that goes undercover in an FBI unit that's hunting down Red Reddington's former associates. Oh, Red Reddington's former associates. Drew Barrymore is a detective, which confuses me. Drew Barrymore is a journalist. Is a journalist. It's, I'm equally confused. Uh, Red Rennington's former associates. Drew Barrymore is a journalist. And give me a hint. A 1999 rom-com and a 2013 NBC action crime show. Oh, actually, okay. NBC crime show. Rom. The rom-com is. Oh wow! I can't. Uh, it's like 51st dates, but. Then what would the show, the crime show be? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Susanna knows this one? This one, I, I I'm I know the first one. It's never been kissed, I think. You're right on that half, which rhymes with The Black List. The Black the James Spader oh. show. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, do you still get a rhyming follow-up? And it's the last, and let's be honest, the least of the original four Netflix Marvel shows. Oh, the last one? So that would be, oh, uh, Iron Fist. Yes, points for the (laughs) follow-up. Back to Susanna. In 1959, a bunch of kids hear that there's a super smart genetically modified shark across the railroad bridge and wind up in a race with a bunch of older kids to find it. Okay. um, 19, so... uh... Oh God! What is that movie called? I now I'm I'm having a Stephen King flashback, and I'm not quite getting it. And it's uh, Stand by Me, and uh, oh, what's the shark movie? Stand by Me and Jaws three. Stephen, what is it? Deep Blue Sea. Oh, Deep Blue Sea and Stand by Me. God. <laughs> you still get a chance at a follow up. It is one of several adaptations of the Joy Adamson book about Elsa the Lion Cub. Sure it is. Um, <laughs> cuddly, you know, cuddly lion bee. I don't know, man. <laughs> Born free. Ah! God, it was in the music. 
Yes, recall for Born Free. Bobby, your next one. Sandra Bullock helps Matthew McConaughey defend a propane salesman in a racially charged murder case that divides Arlen, Texas. Oh, man. Okay, so I think that's Time to Kill is the movie. And Sandra Bullock, but she wasn't the Time to Kill. I'm going to need a cl- uh, the clue. A 1997 Fox animated sitcom and a 1996 legal thriller. King of the Hill, uh, time to kill. (laughs) Nice use of the hint. And your follow-up is a Tarantino movie split into two parts. Oh, Kill Bill. There you go. (laughs) All right, and Steven, you've got Johnny, Race, Haji, and the gang have to help a doctor in Florida deal with his adult daughters. Okay. To deal with his adult daughters... So the Johnny Haji, that's got to be Johnny Quest, but then the daughters, give me give me the clue for this one. A 1964 cartoon broadcast in primetime on ABC and a 1988 NBC TV show. 1988 NBC TV show. Johnny Quest and something that rhymes with Johnny Quest, but <laughs> but that I don't know. <laughs> I got, yeah. It's is it empty nest? Oh, empty nest indeed. <laughs> we recently went on a deep dive of Golden Girls spinoffs in this house. So very nice, <laughs> Stephen. You still have one more fitting into that rhyme scheme. It's a classic 1968 spaghetti western with Henry Fonda and Charles Bronson. Oh, okay, spaghetti western. Bronson Fonda rhymes with Johnny Quest. That it's um, uh, ah, I've lost it. I've lost it. I don't have it. There, if we're looking for Sergio Leone's "Once Upon a Time in the West." In the West. Once yeah. upon a time in the West. <laughs> I knew it was a long title. <laughs> well, the scores are more than they were before, but at its core, the boring chore of pouring over scoring is more for Scoremaster Dan. Dan. <laughs> All right, so two-thirds through the second round of play, Susanna has 40 points, Stephen has 65, and Bobby has moved into the lead. He now has 100 points and the half point. Coming back into it with Susanna. Extra-dimensional creatures come through closet doors to collect the teen angst they need to power their world. Molly Ringwald will keep the lights on for years. Okay. Uh... If it's Monsters, Inc., Pretty in Pink. (laughs) Nice job, Susanna. (laughs) And sticking with that scheme, you've got a 2019 animated feature in which Zach Galifianakis voices a Sasquatch-like creature. Uh, yeah, okay. Anything Uh, familiar in there? uh, Zach Galifianakis? Not really. It's not Baskets. It's, uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Who the hell greenlit this, I think? <laughs> no, this is the Golden Globe winning movie, Missing Link. Missing Link, which is uh, charming. I recommend it. It's a nice is little it? movie. Okay, yeah. good to know. <laughs> All right, Bobby. You've got a Guillermo del Toro directed Belushi Brothers sitcom about a regular guy who has to pilot a giant robot to fight giant invading extra dimensional monsters. Oh boy, I would love to see this. Pacific Rim according to Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, that, and that's just the title. Yeah. <laughs> Following up with an underseen 2019 drama in which a first date goes awry when a man shoots a police officer. Oh, Queen and Slim. Very nice. Nice, nice Paul. And to Steven, a mad scientist and his little yellow minions have to help Brad Pitt stave off a stampeding global pandemic. Okay, stampeding global pandemic. So that is that's going to be uh, World War Z, um, which uh, 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 it's, it's going to be World War Z and the minions. So that'll be Despicable Me in World War Z. Absolutely. <laughs> and sticking on that rhyming kick, you've got Shane Black's 2013 entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Iron Man three. There it is. <laughs> All right, Susanna, your next rhyming mashup. 
Sam's consciousness ends up inside Detective Philip Marlowe and has to solve an absurdly complex case involving blackmail, pornography, murder, and Lauren Bacall. Uh, the... I, I need the hint, I think. Sure. A 1989 NBC sci-fi drama and a detective movie from 1946 or 1978. Okay, so if it's the Maltese Falcon and... Oh, I can't pull it. What the... Ah! The Maltese Falcon's detective is named Sam Spade, but similarly played by Humphrey Bogart was Philip Marlowe in The Big Sleep, which rhymes in this case with Quantum Quantum Leap. leap. Sam's consciousness jumping there. All right. Shoot. Okay. (laughs) Susanna, you still have a chance at the rhyming follow-up. It's a 1989 Blake Edwards movie starring John Ritter as a womanizer in trouble. Um, too in too deep. Oh, good guess. Looking there, we're looking for. Oh, Bobby. Well, I worked at a blockbuster video all through the '80s and '90s, so I remember <laughs> Skin Deep. Nice, <laughs> very nice. <laughs> all right, Bobby. This next one is for you. It's a liberal fantasy in which anthropomorphic animals talk through all sorts of unrealistic policy proposals and strategies on the long walk back to Pride Rock to effect a change in political leadership. Anything you're hearing in there? Zootopia, I think, which I never saw, but I've heard people talk about. I'm going to need the hint on this one. A 1999 NBC drama and a 1994 Disney movie. Oh, and a 1994 Disney movie. 1994 Disney movie is what came out in that. Oh, I have Utopia and Zootopia. Not a bad guess. We're looking for The West Wing and The Lion King. Oh, it's Zootopia is from 2016. Lion King's 94, a little bit earlier. <laughs> Bobby, your rhyming follow-up is a 1989 Spike Lee joint with Danny Aiello and Ossie Davis. Do the right thing. That I know. All right, Stephen, closing out round two. Jamie and Paul Buckman have a second baby, and this one is voiced by Roseanne, something that their first child, Mikey, isn't too happy about. Okay, Something that their first okay, extra baby voiced by Roseanne. Um, it seems like it's look who's talking and something else, but I need I need the hint. A 1992 NBC sitcom and a 1990 romantic comedy sequel. Okay, so so it's gonna be look who's talking to, and uh. I, a room with a view, uh, <laughs> something that's blue. I don't know. <laughs> Not quite. You got the movie, but Susanna, what's the show? Mad About You. Yes, the Buckmans oh, come from no. Mad About You. Thank you, Susanna. <laughs> Still get a chance at the follow-up, Stephen. It's a 1991 John Hughes movie in which Jim Belushi is a con artist with a cute sidekick. Con with a cute sidekick. Jim Belushi rhymes with look who's talking to... It's not. It's not the principal. Uh, it's not. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's not canine. It's not. Uh, I don't know. I'm... Bobby, what's this one? I need to call guy. upon my '90s blockbuster experience again <laughs> to say, Curly Sue. Curly Sue. Curly ah. Sue, indeed. <laughs> Many of our listeners may not know this, but we are lucky enough to be graced with the presence of a poet on today's <laughs> panel of contestants. So, Bobby, how would you rate our rhyme schemes for today's game? I am incredibly impressed. As someone who does not rhyme in his own poems, maybe because I cannot do it this well, I was in awe of the uh, the setup here. Thank you very much for doing it on my episode. <laughs> You're too, too kind. <laughs> and that'll wrap up round two for us. But coming up next is one more score break from Dan, and then it's on to our final round of pop culture trivia. It's time for the old-timey comic strip score break. Hasn't it been too long since you checked out on Gasoline Alley? It's still going! After two rounds of play, Bobby has taken a commanding lead with 140 points and the half point. 
Steven has 95 points, and Susanna is in third place with 60. That means she'll be going first in round three, and she'll need to get nine correct answers if she wants to take the lead. Thanks for that update, Dan. Those standings, however, are not yet set in stone. It's time for everyone's last opportunity for big points. It's the lightning round. Players will have their choice of categories and are given 90 seconds to answer as many questions in that category as possible. You'll earn 10 points for each correct answer you provide. Today's categories are The Return of Bruno The House the Plumber Built Two Guys a Girl and when he was a skater boy. Now, while the names of those topics are a little mysterious, do your best to choose something you will do well on, or perhaps try to keep something easy from a fellow player. Susanna, in third place, you get to choose first. Which of the four categories would you like? Once again, they are The Return of Bruno, The House the Plumber Built, Two Guys a Girl, and When He Was a Skater Boy. I'm going to go with Two Guys a Girl. Sure. Now, if you complete that title, you get two guys, a girl, and a pizza place. So you'll be answering questions about pizza in pop culture. <laughs> I am a Chicagoan, so I feel like there's there's something there for me. <laughs> we'll get as much deep dish content as we can for you. <laughs> All right, 90 seconds on the clock. The timer starts when I finish reading your first question. Susanna, are you ready? I am ready. This student had a pizza delivered to his class at Ridgemont High. Archie. Spicoli. Domino's implored you avoid this 80s promotional character. The Noid. Spaceballs featured this parody of Jabba the Hutt. Pizza the Hutt. This family runs Fish Stew Pizza on Steven Universe. Oh, God. Pass. This is where Walter White tossed his rage pizza. Pass. The broccoli pizza in Pixar's Inside Out was changed to bell pepper for this country. India? Japan. A 1988 film had Julia Roberts serving pizzas at this title restaurant. Mystic Pizza. This was the name of the dog that waited in vain in front of Panucci's Pizza. Uh, 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 Astro? Seymour. This many large pizzas are in a Joey special. Six. Two. What are the three title adjectives of the pizza-loving sewer turtles? Pass. Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen performed this prescriptive song at normal speed. Pass. The McFlies hydrated a pizza for dinner in this sequel. Uh, Back to the Future 2. This movie's climax was set into motion with a broken pizzeria window. Uh. Oh, the answer there would have been do the right thing. Still a few right answers in there, so let's get the Susanna report. On Steven Universe, Fish Stew Pizza is run, of course, by the Pizza Family. Walter White tosses Rage Pizza up on the garage roof. The pizza-loving sewer turtles are, of course, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And the Olsen twins perform the song Gimme Pizza. Susanna had four correct answers, and that's not bad, but it's not enough to put her in the lead. She now has 100 points, and she's in second place. Steven's up next, and he'll need to get five correct answers if he wants to take the lead. All right, Steven, your remaining categories are The Return of Bruno, The House the Plumber Built, and When He Was a Skater Boy. I'm going to go with The Return of Bruno. The Return of Bruno is, of course, the title of the 1989 debut album by Walter Bruce Willis. So you'll be answering questions about the life and career of actor Bruce Willis. 90 seconds on the clock. Steven, are you ready? I am ready. Willis has starred in this many Die Hard films. Five. Willis took on the Charles Bronson role in this remake. Death Wish. He played a retired secret agent in the two films in this series. Secret agent, two film series, pass. Robert Rodriguez directed Willis in this mostly black and white crime flick. Uh, 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 Sin City. He had a recurring role as Paul Stevens on this hit NBC sitcom. Friends. His daughter, Rumor, played Roxy Hart on Broadway in this musical. Uh, is that Chicago? This Monty Python alum directed Willis in 12 Monkeys. Uh, 
uh, Terry Gilliam. He voices Baby Mikey in this series. Family Guy. Look who's talking. Uh, The look of this 1997 flick was inspired by French comic artist Mobius. Uh, The Fifth Element. He put on a fake nose to play young Willis in Looper. Uh, uh, oh, the, what's his name? The, ah, pass. He had the James Conn role in the Broadway version of this Stephen King novel. James Conn. Oh, uh, Misery. He lent his voice to a plastic version of himself in this 2019 movie. A plastic version of himself with, ah, pass. He won an Emmy for his role in this 80s detective series. Moonlighting. Ooh. Not counting Moonlighting after the buzzer. Sorry, Steven. Still a bunch of right answers in there. Dan, give us the Steven report. So Steven only had three passes. The movie in which Bruce Willis is a retired secret agent, retired but extremely dangerous, well, that, of course, is R.E.D. or Red. Joseph Gordon-Levitt played a young Bruce Willis in Looper, and Bruce Willis played a plastic version of himself in The Lego Movie 2, The Second Part. Still, Steven got eight correct answers. That gives him 80 additional points. It means he's now at 175 points, and Steven has taken the lead. If Bobby wants to take that lead back, he's going to need to get at least four correct answers in his category. Your two remaining lightning round categories are The House the Plumber Built and When He Was a Skater Boy. I'm going to go with The House the Plumber Built. In this case, that plumber is Mario, and the house he built was the empire called Nintendo. So you'll be answering questions about the world of Nintendo. I never play video games. I picked so poorly. (laughs) Well, let's see how you do. 90 seconds on the clock. Bobby, are you ready? Yes. NES stands for this. Nintendo Entertainment System. The light gun with this name is used to play Duck Hunt. Um, pass. He is the main hero of the Zelda series. Charlie. Link. Bundling this puzzler with the Game Boy helped it to reach towering heights of popularity. Oh, Tetris. Nintendo was founded in 1889 to make this type of handheld entertainment. Um, uh, uh, pass. He is Mario's brother. Luigi. This 90s Nintendo hardware flop made Time Magazine's 50 Worst Inventions list. Um, Genesis. The Virtual Boy. In the U.S., the Super Nintendo was initially packaged with this game. Sonic. Super Mario World. Mario has teamed up with this competing mascot in a series of sports games. Um, Sonic. He has long been Mario's archenemy in the Super Mario Brothers series. Uh, Captain Meatball. Bowser. This kid-friendly Nintendo shooter series features Inklings. Um, pass. This popular arcade game came to the Super NES with censored fatalities. Um, House of the Dead. Mortal Kombat. Your personalized avatar on the Wii, in this case, is called a me. Dan, how did he do? Give us the Bobby report. You know, Bobby said he didn't know much about video games, but he got some correct answers in there. The Zapper was the light gun used to play Duck Hunt. Nintendo was founded in 1889 to make playing cards. And Splatoon, my son's favorite game, is the kid-friendly Nintendo shooter series that features the Inklings. Bobby, all told, got four correct answers. That means our final standings are Susanna with 100 points, Steven with 175, in our winner, with a total of 180.5, exactly as much as he needed to get to win, our winner today is Bobby. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> greatest day. <laughs> Congratulations to Bobby to sneak in with the win. But the end of the show does mean it's the end of the road for Steven. Steven, you put up a valiant effort today. But before you go, we really got into the weeds on rhyming titles today. So if you could get someone to come up with rhymes to narrate your life, do you go with Dr. Seuss or Kendrick Lamar? Oh, wow. That's a that's a really uh, tough call, but uh, I'm old school, so I got to go with Dr. Seuss. <laughs> Good choice. Thanks again, Stephen. And Susanna, thank you for being here. We are so glad that you could come and play with us. You know, something we didn't get into in your pizza questions is the age-old debate. 
pineapple on pizza? Yes or no? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Just no. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Production Master Dave agrees with you. Thanks again for playing, Susanna. But the big congratulations today are for Bobby. You're going to be moving on to the Sabor de Soledad Division Finals. We are psyched to be able to see you again. But in the meantime, what TV, movies, music, and books are you going to be catching up with? Um, well, you know, and we've been locked in the house, so we've just been watching a lot of big comfort viewing uh, in here. A lot of old uh, Give Me a Break and then a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race and things like that. So I suspect I will be doing more of that in the coming weeks. It's <laughs> exactly what we all need. And listeners, be sure to follow Bobby as the pizza emoji as he continues on through the season bracket. Well, that'll wrap it up for this week. Be sure to join us next week as we finish out the eliminations in the Delta Tau Chi division. I've been your host, Taylor Cole, and on behalf of Scoremaster Dan and Production Master Dave, thank you for listening to the Great American Pop Culture Quiz Show. The show is not over yet. Hang on just one moment. It is time to answer the at-home version riddle. Correctly answer the following riddle before the next episode hits, and you could win absolutely fabulous prizes. On this show, we play Pyramid but not with Dick Clark and Randos. In fact, some of our players turned into commandos. Did it work out? In the end, were they happy? The new home is nice, but the narrative's sappy. Think you know what the answer to that riddle is? Then head on over to the page for this episode at usaquizshow.com. There you can find the contestant application for future seasons, show notes on past episodes, season brackets, and links to subscribe to the Great American Pop Culture Quiz Show in your favorite podcast app. And of course, everything on social media is bad, except for our feeds on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us on both at, at USA Quiz Show. The Great American Pop Culture Quiz Show is created on a Nintendo Genesis system by Dan Casino, <laughs> Taylor Cole, and me, David Teagle. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and we will see you next week. He is the main hero of the Zelda series. Charlie.